0: Welcome to Behind the Black Curtain, an inspiring podcast that follows the story of Nikki Rowland's incredible journey. Join Nikki as she inspires other single women and single moms to be courageous and continue to persevere through their own life journey. Together, we will learn from Nikki's success and struggles as we create a tribe of women committed to finding freedom from their past, purpose in their present, and unlocking the potential for the future. Welcome to Behind the Black Curtain. Hey, babes. Welcome back to Behind the Black Curtain. It's your girl, Nikki. And today we're going to dive into part two of my immigration story. Uh, So let me just give you guys a quick, uh, just a brief recap of part one. So in part one, I was sharing my story with you guys about the fact that I came to America at the age of two with my grandmother. And she brought me into the country illegally. Because of that, I spent most of my years in America, undocumented, basically an illegal immigrant. I didn't want to get married for just to get my papers. It's something that I never wanted to do, but unfortunately, with everything that uh, transpired over the years, I ended up having to do that. I was already engaged to my then husband at the time, and so I figured, like, hey, I need to get this process done now um there's apparently an issue with immigration and so let me go ahead and get married so we went ahead we did that we started the paperwork process we did this without getting an attorney and because of that we did not know the laws we did not fully know the laws of immigration And when you're ignorant to certain things, you will be bamboozled or you will end up experiencing situations that you probably you would have been able to avoid had you had the full information. So because I didn't have full information, I got bamboozled and low key deported out of the country. Ended up going to Belize thinking that I'm going to go there and get my paperwork completed and come back home to my children. While at the embassy, I am being told that I cannot come back into the country because I originally came in illegally. And now there's a whole nother process that I have to go through with that process. I have to um, file extra paperwork and it can take up to five years before I get a response back from immigration saying whether or not I can come back to America. Um, I had a whole bawling fest, (laughs) crying fest in the immigration office, you know, because at the time my kids were not with me. They were here in America. I then have to go meet family for the very, very first time and ask them to allow me to stay with them because I don't have anywhere to stay. My husband at the time has to fly out of the country the next day and yeah um so that's basically part one summed up if you haven't listened to it yet though definitely go back and catch all the details um so in part two I'm gonna just tell you guys what my experience was like living in Belize while waiting for the immigration or waiting for immigration to respond And I'm going to do my best to get as much detail as I can with this podcast. But y'all know, like, I don't want to have you guys here for like two hours. Like the story, there's so much to the story. I'm going to give you as much as I can with the short amount of time that I have. Just know that there's going to be a part three because today I'm only going to talk about what my experience was like living there. And then part three, we're going to go into what it was like trying to leave the country, although I had permission to leave. But y'all, of course, because it's me, I couldn't leave without a fight. But anyway, let's focus on today's episode. So as I left off, I met my mom's sister for the first time and she, her and her family allowed me to stay with them. Um, They were praying over me. I'm crying, (laughs) going just like hysterical. But they allowed me to stay with them. And they were super sweet. They were very sweet. They were very welcoming. I don't remember for sure how long I was at their place. I think it was just like a couple months. But they stayed in the capital of Belize. So that's where I started. I was staying in the capital of Belize. And I just had to adjust. Like, basically, living in Belize is a culture shock. When you go to different countries... If it's not your home country, and you're flying out as an American, you're you're visiting different countries. You go as a tourist. You do the tourist things. So of course, you just see the beauty of these countries. You just. Experience the fun. So, if you're going to Belize, you're gonna go out to the different keys, right? You're gonna be at the beach. You're gonna be in that beautiful water. You're gonna eat the great food. You're going to go out into like the jungle areas and play with the monkeys, or go see the Blue Hole and go see the the Maya ruins. That's what you do, right? You're not really in reality. You're you're in tourist mode. You're not in real life. This is what it's like to live here, Belize, And I got to experience real life. This is what it's like to live here. It was hard. So coming from America, you know, we had our own house and we had our washer and dryer there and things like that. We had hot water running in the place and there we didn't have that. So I had to adjust to like cold showers. Most of the people that I got to know and I visited there, they did not have like hot water running through their their pipes, you know, like for you to take showers. And the people that did have it, it was like some type of electrical shower head that they would connect. And I don't even remember if the water actually got hot. Maybe it did, but I know it took the chill off at least, right? But with my aunt's home, it was cold. It was like, oh my God, <laughs> y'all, like it was such a culture shock. They had like a little washer, completely different than what ours is, you know, the big washers that you have in your home, theirs was like much smaller. So they had like a little washer that you can use, but there was like no dryer. So you had to hang out your clothes outside to dry. I It was just an adjustment that I had to make. Again, they treated me well and they welcomed me, but I was so uncomfortable. One, I didn't really know. I didn't know these people. Like I literally met them the day that my At the time, my husband had to leave, which is the very next day after we found out that I couldn't leave the country. So I'm now having to adjust to being in this home with people that I don't know. Yeah, you're family, but I don't know y'all. Y'all don't know me. Your lifestyle is completely different than my lifestyle. And I'm dealing with the thoughts of like, I don't know when I'm going to see my kids again. I don't know when I'm going to get back home Like, I don't even know how to explain what I was going through. Like, it was just uncomfortable. It was painful. I will say that the feeling was also very painful because when you don't know what's going to happen next and the fact that people were telling me like, yeah, I know that they told you five years but some people don't ever ever get to go back like they just deny them or people were saying like yeah i know so-and-so that's been here like three years now and she's still waiting or he's still waiting on a response and i'm like what so the fact that you have no idea how long this process is going to take what's going to happen next it's almost suffocating. It almost feels like you're being suffocated. So I'm dealing with all these thoughts in my mind. And at the same time, trying to not make them feel uncomfortable with me being in their home, because all I really wanted to do was just like stay in the room and not talk to anyone and just sleep. It's like depression. But again, I'm in somebody else's home. So I don't get to just like curl up and close the curtains. I um, was in a room with their two daughters, uh, my cousins. And so I shared a room with them. They gave me a bed to let me sleep on. And then the two girls slept together. Uh, and you know, everybody had their things that they did every day. Like everybody had their life and I had no life. I had nothing to do, but be there with my thoughts. I remember while I was still living in the capital, I would like go for walks. And it's very country-like. It's just like, it's very country. And for those of you that don't know me, I grew up in Chicago, a big city. And from Chicago, we moved to Miami, a big city. And from Miami, I went to Minneapolis. We ain't gonna talk about that. That's the story for another day. <laughs> We're gonna scratch them out. <laughs> but then from there, I moved to L.A., another big city and LA is my favorite place but what i'm saying is i'm just used to being in big cities and i'm used to things being go 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 everything is fast paced um fast paced everything is like loud and and where we were staying was very much quiet and the lifestyle was just different it was quiet it was slow it was like country like and i would just go for a walk for walks in the evening or at night and just walk around and the embassy was so close to them that I could walk to the embassy. And I, I'm not going to lie to y'all. I would walk around that embassy and it would just be lit up and you see the American flag just flapping in the air. <laughs> And the thoughts that I was thinking, y'all, was just not righteous. Like, the thoughts were not good because I was just filled with anger, with hurt. I was filled with rage. I'm not going to lie. I was filled with rage when I would walk around that embassy because... What I experienced when I was in there would just replay in my mind every time. And just the way that woman was just so nasty to me, just off rip, just rude for no reason. She act like we had something in the past and she's about to now get back at me for it. Like that's her how her attitude was towards me. So I was going through that process of how nasty she was. And then the fact that now... I'm being punished for something that's really not my fault. I didn't bring myself to this country. My parents, my grandmother did. I mean, she did it because my parents, you know. But my family brought me here. And they had me come the illegal way. This is the decision that they made. I came as a child. So for you to tell me that I should have went back to the country when I was 18, where's the logic there, right? And so this is where I get frustrated with the immigration process and just the unfairness of certain parts of it. You know for you to penalize A child for something that their parents Did especially if this child grew up in this country Has never done anything Like illegal outside of being here (laughs) Illegally Um, But never got in trouble with the law Always a good you know upright citizen And you're saying like I don't care Now you're going to be punished And now you got to figure this out And the fact that I have American children And you're now You have no problem with ripping me away from them Just the process of how they They had me go back to the country to do the interview and the deceitful way that that was set up because it was deceitful for you to say like, oh yeah, you just, you need to go back to your country. You do your interview and then you're going to come back when you knew good and well what was going to happen. So it's just the deceitful part of it that had me so frustrated. I was upset with the world. I was upset with my family for the process, the way they brought me in. At the end of the day, I'm grateful that they brought me here. The fact that it went the way that it went sucks. But I am so grateful that they brought me here regardless. But the fact that I'm now being punished for what somebody else decided to do and for people not following through, because in all honesty, if my father had completed the process, I wouldn't have ended up in that situation. So there's so many parts where I had no control over it. And I basically was just going by what somebody else did. I basically had to just flow with whether or not people wanted to do things the right way or, and whether or not someone wanted to do right by his family. So there's so many emotions going, the thoughts that I don't even know if I can tell y'all the thoughts that I had about that embassy (laughs) when I walked around. I'm not going to get myself in trouble, but just know I had thoughts. Okay. Yeah. So I would walk around there at night and I would pray. And that's this is where my my faith began to grow. my relationship with God began because I didn't have anything else to lean on. And all I knew was like there's something higher than me. There's a being higher than me. And I need the help of that being at this point. And so this is where I started praying more. I mean, I used to pray prior to this, but now I'm just like God I need you like if you're real you know me you know the person I am you know I'm a good person you know that I've tried my best to do everything right like I need you to help me through this because this is unfair um so every day I would pray and then I would just go back to their place and you know try to have conversation like I really try to open up and just be a little bit more friendly. I don't know how I really came across to them. I never had that conversation after, but honestly, I'm an introvert and I pretty much keep to myself unless I truly know you. And when I get to really know you, that's when I open up and you get to realize like how silly I am and how I like to joke and I'm just, a, you know, a free person. But prior to that when I don't really know you, I'm closed up and I don't really want to be around people like that. Like, I <laughs> I like to have my own space. I no longer had my own space, you know. I'm sharing a room with these two girls, my cousins, and when I come out the room, there's like mom, dad, brothers, like there's always someone there. It was overwhelming for me. The whole process was overwhelming. Anyway, eventually I end up uh, leaving there and go to Belize City, and my husband's brother baby brother lives in a city with his mom and their other brother and so i had already known him they had made a trip to america before so i had met him before and then when we first got to belize for this trip we were hanging out with his brothers a couple of times so we you know kind of built a little relationship there and i ended up staying with them for a little bit um i was just more comfortable now when you go from the capital to the city that's also completely different the capital is more you know like i feel it's just like a little a little bit more updated um when you go into the city like the homes are not like homes in america at least not in the really developed nice areas of america so like these homes are like some of them are like leaning to the side and just tiny little what do they call them like shotgun homes or whatever it's like you can go from the front door to the back door like real quick um so there was a lot of that it was it was poor it's a poor city like the homes were poor they were just completely built differently and anyway I ended up staying with them for a little bit we would hang out me and his little brother and he would just take me around to meet his friends mind you he's much younger than me (laughs) um So I'm like going to these parties and everybody is like so much younger than me, but I looked like a baby anyway, like I looked really young for my age. So I fit in just fine. But it was just so funny to be in that environment. These people were like 17, 18, I would go to these parties and they were just all really young. Mind you, I look young, but I'm a whole grown woman married with three kids at the time. <laughs> And and, but it was cool. It was nice. And I remember him and I like I slept in his room like they had a bunk bed. And so I would sleep at the bottom. He was at the top and we would stay up at night for hours, for hours, just talking about life and um, what our plans were and what we wanted to do, because I remember at the time he was working on getting his papers so he can leave Belize and come to America. So yeah, it we it was a it was a great bonding experience with him. I, I really, I really enjoyed that time. Um, and his faith in God was so strong. I remember like he would always read the Bible. He would always pray and he always talked to me about God and how, how much he believed. And I really believe that played a huge part in my relationship and how my relationship began to grow with God as well. Just seeing how, how strong his faith was and just seeing like how they lived. And it was just, it was like a poor environment, but he just believed so much in god and how his life was going to turn around and his life has turned around tremendously by the way so let me pause with that and just talk to you guys about the paperwork process i was saying as i was in the embassy she said you're gonna to have to now file these papers and wait for america to respond she said you know if you can get a doctor to write a letter about your kids saying like the distress that they're going through and how much they need you there and you know husband We need you to write a letter just saying the impact that this is having on you that your wife is no longer there and she's like and you're gonna take all of that and you're gonna send it in with this new form and you just have to wait for them to respond so we got the letter from a psychiatrist regarding my kid's mental health like thank god (laughs) his cousin was married to a psychiatrist so he was able to just write the letter for us and boom that was easy okay Now, I just needed my husband to write the letter, saying the impact, you know, that this has on him, like how much he needs his wife, he misses his wife, he's going through so much, he's depressed. Like, I needed this man to like, you know, just pour your heart out in this letter. Y'all, this man did not even write the letter. Do you know he told me for me to write it, just go ahead and write the letter and I'll just sign it. Bruh bro what so I basically had to sit there and write as if I was my husband just saying how depressed I am how I'm having a hard time with our children our children are going through so much first what I one thing I can say about me I'm gonna brag on that I am I'm a great writer okay that's a skill that I'm very proud of so I'm good with writing letters or writing stories or whatnot I just wrote it up And I had him sign it, but I just was hurt by that because, yo, I'm already going through enough, right? I've already been ripped away from my family. I'm going through like mental issues at this point. I am alone. I am fearful. I am scared. I'm sad. Most like 90% of the time I am sad and I'm hurting. And my husband, this man that stood in the embassy, you know, just going off telling this woman like, oh, well, we're not going to leave her by herself we we gonna be back here I'm I'm gonna move here and be with her you couldn't even sit down and write a little letter on behalf of how much you love your wife and how much you're you're needing her to be back with you I had to write it for him and he signed it so whatever so I did I did what I had to do because at this point I'm not gonna argue with nobody baby I just need to get the heck up out of here that's all where my mind was so I was hurt by it but I just did it and just I didn't even complain just let's go so we send the paperwork in and at some point they send you a letter back, just letting you know, like we received it. Okay. So now there's a process of you just waiting during this waiting process. I just remember people kept telling me like, yeah, girl, you just going to be here for a while. You might as well just get comfortable. Like y'all are just going to live here. And I'm like, heck no. One thing that I refused to do was accept that this was going to be the end story for me. I refused Okay. I didn't care who went through what. I didn't care who was there for five years already and who's still waiting. I didn't care. All I kept saying was, well, that ain't me. Oh, well, that's not me. Well, that ain't going to be my story. <laughs> like I refused to accept that that was going to be my story. And I think that's a little lesson for all of us right now. It d- doesn't matter what you're going through, or what your situation looks like right now, your mindset plays a huge role. So yeah, you may be hurting and you may feel like damn, I don't know how I'm going to get through this. And you can't even see the next step in front of you. But there's something powerful when you refuse to accept that this is going to be how it ends for me. Like when you refuse to accept it, I believe wholeheartedly that it is inevitable that things are going to change and get better for you. It may not move and may not change as fast as you want it to, but it's going to happen if you refuse to accept the hand that you've been dealt. If it's not what you want... If this is not up to par, and that was not up to par for me, if you refuse to accept that, I believe things are going to move and shift in favor of you. You just have to hold on. And that's where strength comes in (laughs) because you're going to have to get up every day. And despite what your current search circumstance looks like, you're going to have to get up every day and push through that day. And that was what I was experiencing. So I was there with his brother for a little bit and their younger brother for a little bit and their mom and their mom was amazing. I, I just loved talking to her. She was so sweet. So welcoming. Like, oh my gosh, I just felt so comfortable there. I felt really comfortable. I might've been in Belize for like a month or two. So I may, I don't think I stayed at my aunt's as long as I had said before. I might've been in Belize for a month or two, when my ex-husband decided to bring the kids now mind you he said we're gonna come move and be here with you well he decided he ain't moving there but he gonna bring them kids (laughs) so he like packs up my car i had a montero at the time and i loved my montero okay I love my car. I had the booming system. I had the TV and the seats and it was just beautiful. And so he packed up my little Montero with as much stuff as he could. And he, him and his other brother that lives in America and our kids, they drove through uh, Mexico. They drove through Mexico to bring the kids to me. And it took them some days to get to me. And I just remember just being so afraid because at that time there was just so much going on. Um, In Mexico and with the drug cartel and whatnot, and it was just a dangerous process, and it might still be right now. I don't really know how dangerous it is because I don't really pay attention anymore since I'm not in that situation and my kids don't have to drive through that. But it was it was a very scary time, and. I remember when they had got to me, they were like, Mommy, yeah, like um the Mexican police stopped us and they had all these guns and they were asking us all these questions and I was just like, Oh my god. But they made it safely. So they made it to Belize. The truck is just filled up with, you know, as much stuff as they can bring, and he stays out there maybe for about a week. And that's now at this point it's around holiday time. So it's around Thanksgiving Christmas time. And I remember him staying out for a Christmas. We all celebrated Christmas together, and and then he left. And he's like, "Yeah, I'm not gonna stay. I decided I'm gonna, you know, continue to work there so I can make money. I got a place out there, so I'm gonna get to that for a second. But he was just like, "I'll make money out there. Now I'll just put it in the bank account, and you can just pull the money from here and you can pay the bills, get the food to eat, and take care of the kids. And I feel like it's just better that way because American dollar doubles there. And so to me, I'm like, yeah, okay, that makes sense. So you know, he made really good money and he still makes good money. And so I'm like, we should be fine. Like at least we'll be able to live somewhere nice out there. We can afford that and whatnot. Well- while he was there during that time, during the holiday time, I remember his mom also helped with us um, getting a place. My mom came out, she helped. And so we got a place of our own and it was a apartment that was on top of a restaurant. So the restaurant owner owned the apartment as well. And uh, we went, we spoke to him and he let me rent the place out. I did not even fill that apartment with furniture. I never had a couch while I was there. I had a little refrigerator, maybe about the size of a refrigerator that you would have like in a college dorm or maybe slightly bigger okay it definitely was not a full-size refrigerator we got a stove and a little dining room table to fit me and my three kids and we had one little twin bed and then a mattress probably like a queen-size mattress that stayed on the floor. And I slept on that. Uh, We had a tiny little TV that we put on top of the dining room table. And that was pretty much it. Like, yeah, I never got furniture to put into the place. Um, The electrical lining or the wires in the the apartment weren't... It wasn't lined right or whatever it was. Like, the electrical wiring were not... They didn't do it correctly. So at one point, I remember plugging in something into the wall and it catching on fire. Like, this is what we were going through. So... (laughs) So with all of that, I signed my kids up for school and we put them in a private school. I didn't want to put them in a public school. Although there are public, all schools out there, you're going to have to pay for your kids to go. Let me, I want to put that out there as well. It's not like America where there's public school and it's free and you basically just buy your kids supply. Like, no, you're paying for school out there. It doesn't matter where you put them. But I decided I wanted to put them in, like in a private school, like a Christian school or whatnot. And it was just because I there was people were telling us like if you put them there, there, there'll be more around kids that are used to like going to America or you might meet kids there that are from America and their family have moved here. And so I thought like, okay, I'll put them there and it won't be as much of a culture shock at the school. But y'all, when I tell you these people are so mean, these people, these, ugh, it's the women. It is, it's the women. And it's unfortunate that I have to tell the story this way, but I'm going to tell the the story and the the truth of what it is. I don't know what it was with the women there, but majority of the women just had nasty attitudes just nasty like just rude for no reason so now I'm I have my kids in the school we're paying okay we're paying some pretty good money for them to go to the school and the teachers just have nasty attitudes they want to be rude to my kids I don't know what it was about but I was told that it was because that we're from America so people automatically they feel like we think that we're too good and so they're just off rip rude which I think is insane and so I've had I had issues with uh, some of the teachers teachers and with the way that they would want to treat my daughter and I'm not gonna shut my mouth y'all like I don't care that I don't know this country and I'm out here by myself one thing you don't do is you don't come for my kids now when my kids are wrong they're wrong and they're gonna get checked but when you're just nasty and you want to talk to my kids crazy and you want to try to hit them and things like that oh baby no you're gonna you gonna catch another side of Nikki that most people do not know of and so I remember like going to the school a couple times my uncle from my dad's side of the family he was out there because he would go out he goes out to Belize often where he'll stay out there for months at a time and so there's a a time where I went and I talked to him about what was going on he was like let's go up to the school together so yeah I had to deal with the teachers being nasty I remember taking them out of that school into another school because I'm like why are we paying these people all this money for them to treat us like trash so I put them in like a Public school that was supposed to be like one of the really good ones, and then my kids had to deal with being bullied. And now, <laughs> when my kids are younger, I had them in Taekwondo. And I originally put my daughter in there because this little boy used to bully her all the time when we when we were in LA. Like he want to come pull her hair and hit her, just rude. Like and no, y'all, it's not he had a crush on her. This this little boy was just rude, just a bad little boy, and his. His um, grandmother would be watching him and she would see him do this stuff and never stop him. And my daughter would not hit back. And so I had to be like, one day I had to take her outside. Like, you're going to hit him back like right now and we're going to put an end to this. And after that, I put her in Taekwondo so she can learn how to defend herself. So my daughter and my oldest son were both in Taekwondo before they had to move to Belize. But they were taught in Taekwondo that you don't fight until you really have to fight because you can really hurt somebody with what they were teaching them. Well, these kids were just mean. They were just bullies. Like they would just find all kinds of things just to be rude and nasty and say nasty things to them about. I remember one kid just, got up and punched my son in the chest just out of nowhere. Yo, I'm pissed at this point because I don't wanna be here. I don't know what's up with these people. Everybody's just rude and just got a bad attitude. My husband at the time is in America living life while his family is out here dealing with this BS because I remember I used to talk to him like every night and I'm like yo this is what's going on this is what's going on and he just it was just really nonchalant about everything like oh it's gonna be all right oh yeah that's just how they are in Belize like yo no so I went from being passive and just trying to fit in you know these people are being rude to me but I, I just want peace right now until I can leave here because I'm by myself so I don't give a I don't give a damn at this point. Y'all not about to bully us. You're not gonna bully my kids. And I remember going to the school, having to check some of these kids, y'all, like... (laughs) (laughs) because like the teachers know what go what's going on nobody's saying anything and this is where my kids had to learn how to fight like i don't care about what they told you in taekwondo we're 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 nipping this in the bud like right now they want to come and they want to talk to you crazy you're gonna you're gonna shut it down right now and so i remember my daughter now becoming like i'm gonna go fight for my brother like we're not doing this and it was just so unfortunate that I was just like, yo, what is going on with my life? Like, how do we go from being in America where we're like traveling with our kids and they're in sports, like these kids are in soccer, they're in gymnastics, they're taking swimming lessons, uh, they're in basketball and wherever we go, like we're not really having issues with anyone. We don't, we, we weren't dealing with any form of bullying except that one little boy. But outside of that, the kids were nice. The kids, you know, are playing with each other to We're here, and this is my country. This is where I was born. This is where my people are from. Like, y'all know I'm from here. Like, you know what my situation is, but you know that my family's from here. You know, I have family here, and you are just so nasty to us. Like, it was like we just felt so unwanted. So, we went through that. Um, God, we went through that situation, and I remember at a certain point, my husband at the time decides that he doesn't want to be married anymore. So, let's let's rewind for a little bit. He would come every Probably every three weeks or something like that, he would come out and he would stay with us for like the weekend. So when he would come, we would just like go out. we will go like party and we'll take the kids out and see different parts of the country and whatnot. And then he would leave. And I remember one time he came out to visit, and his cousin had said to him, like, "What are you doing? How do you have your family out here by themselves?" She said to him, "This place is so dangerous. There's no way. Like, I would be." terrified if I was her to be here by myself and I was very much afraid I just couldn't show it but I remember listening on the news and just like listening to like how people we would be like killing other people it was just it was crazy out there I could not even walk my kids to school without a man like basically walking me off the sidewalk because he's trying to like talk to me and trying to grab my attention and I just want to be left alone but they were so aggressive I remember the kids y'all like not only were the, the women nasty, but the little kids were like horrible. Somebody took glass and scraped all around my vehicle. My Montero is a white, it was like a pearl white Montero. I remember coming out one morning <clears throat> and there's scratches all over my vehicle. So the place that we stayed, you had to walk up the stairs, like stairs outside, and you walked up the stairs to get up to our apartment. Well, when before you get to the stairs, there's a, a, a gate there this gate had a padlock that you had to put on at night it had a chain a metal chain that i had to wrap around the door of the gate and then put the padlock on that so that no one can come in at night because it was very much dangerous there and the guy was like make sure you lock this every night there were bob wires around that gate okay just to give you guys an idea of how dangerous it was and I remember one evening we came home and I'm putting the locks on the, the chain. And this is not funny, it's crazy. But this little girl comes up and she's standing outside of the gate. And she says to me as I'm walking up the stairs, She's like, Oh, it doesn't matter. It, you putting that lock on there doesn't matter. They can always jump the gate if they want to come in. Bruh. I'm just like, oh my God, I it scared the crap out of me. I remember I just used to pray. I prayed so much. I spent so much time in prayer and just seeking an answer. Um, there was a Bible that my grandmother had gave me like years ago when I was younger and I had that Bible with me and I that's what I used. I decided to finally open this Bible up and just start to read and try to understand what the word is saying. I remember there would be nights because there was like a, like a little club across the street and there were a couple nights where we sleep and probably be like two three o'clock in the morning I'm waking up to gunshots like gunshots right across the street from my apartment I remember seeing stuff where I'm like standing outside just like on the on the front porch and watching a man beat the crap out of his girlfriend in the car and nobody's stopping him like and I'm called I remember I called the police and I was just like hello like I'm here on whatever the street was and I'm watching this guy and he is beating her and t- and the the woman cop was just so nonchalant, like okay, and <laughs> like oh my, I felt like such a fool for calling. So yeah, that's just some of the stuff that we experienced. But I I remember at that time I used to take walks to there was a park that was close enough, and I would walk over there and just sit by the water and listen to the water. And the water is just so to this day it is so calming and therapeutic for me, like. It just brings peace. And I would sit by that water and I would just talk to God. Like I would just talk to God. And by the time I was done, I just felt a piece that would come over me and i felt like despite what this looks like right now i'm gonna be okay now i would do this in between me going through points of depression where i didn't want to come out the bed there were times where i would get up take my walk my kids to school because i was not gonna let them walk by themselves i would walk them to school and i would walk back home and i would get right back in that room lay on my little mattress on the floor and sleep and when it's time to pick them up again, I'm going to get dressed like nothing happened and I'm going to go pick them up and act like I'm okay. I did my best to not let them see me crying or see me just distraught because I did not want them to be stressed and I didn't want them to worry. I wanted them to believe that they were going to be fine and there was nothing to worry about. I wanted my kids to have a childhood where they were not burdened with the stress of adulthood. I did not want them to be worried about what I had to worry, my stress. So yeah, this country is like, they're basically kicking our butts out there with the way that they're treating us. But I was trying to make our home as peaceful as I can make it for them, like a sanctuary, despite what was going on. And I I think I did a decent job. I mean, my kids were over it too and they wanted to leave, but I think overall I did a pretty good job. So anyway, I spent so many days where I was just depressed. Like all I could do is just lay in that bed and sleep and i'll pick up my kids and i'll bring them home if they had homework we're gonna do it if we need to get groceries we're gonna get our groceries and we just did little things to entertain ourselves one thing i can say about my little family is that we all are jokesters and we love to laugh we love to make other people laugh like naturally that's just our that's just the characteristic that we have so we just enjoyed our time with each other and you know just doing little things like dancing and the conversations that we have we made it fun let's go back to my husband wanting to divorce me he would come out and visit and at a certain point (laughs) i just remember like his demeanor changing and ladies we can always tell when Things are changing with these guys, right? As much as they want to try to play it off. And I could just tell, like, things were off with him. And when I would try to call and talk to him, like, the conversations were not the same. And so I did my little investigative work as the woman that I am. I am a woman, we all are great investigators. and i started doing my little work and i found out like this man is out here dating (laughs) so you drop your kids off i'm out there i'm depressed i'm struggling these people are like bullying us and you're over here dating okay and i remember him coming one time and i looked in his phone and i saw messages and stuff and i just i lost it and at some point we were on a phone call And he says to me like, yeah, I don't think I want to do this anymore. And I'm like, you don't want to do what? And he's like, I just don't think I want to be married anymore. I just don't, I don't think this is for me. Um, so what we can do is like, you know, you can, where I'm still going to help you. Like once the papers come, I'm going to sign them and whatnot. But yeah, I think we should divorce. Like, first of all, how the heck are you going to divorce me during this process, sir? Like you're a key part of this, right? So if I'm not married, then who are they going to send me? back to. And I just was mind blown because even outside of that, like I am at my lowest I have ever been in my life at this point and you decide that you want to divorce you this is where your mind is you're not like let me come out and be with my wife and kids heck even if you didn't really care about me like how did you not care enough to like come and be with your kids make sure your kids are safe and you know be the dad be the man to show up so these kids can be like oh sh- their dad is here let me leave them alone it was that that was not his thought process so that i took that blow as well and y'all i was i was depressed i i went through depression So from there, I ended up moving again we moved into a house that's what it was we moved into a house at this time and this house is big it's very much developed it's a developed (laughs) home compared to the other ones out there again the same little furniture that I had in my apartment is what I had in this house so imagine being in this big house I believe it was like three bedrooms it was a really nice house Um, kitchen area big dining room big living room area and there's no furniture for me to fill it up with I don't even have the money for it because at a certain point the money that I was able to get from our joint account in America, I would be able to go to the ATM out there and pull money out. Y'all, I just remember one day I went to, I was going to go take my kids out to like the beach or something with a friend out there. And I went to the ATM and there was no money there was no money in that account and i remember calling my husband at the time like hey i think something's wrong with the account I went to go get money there's i can't get anything out and this man says to me uh yeah i actually had them stop the direct deposit from going to the account anymore Um, I opened up a different account so we can save money. I said, I don't have access to any money. And I think he said, oh, I'll send you like $100 or something. And that's how I got money that day. There were times where we ran out of food and I would have to like reach out to my mom and have them send money to me through like MoneyGram or Western Union. Like that was the the it show, (laughs) the crap show that I was in. Mind you, I'm, I'm married. My husband at the time is making good money and he has no business to pay anymore because at this point he's now living with his mom So he's not paying any bills. He has all the money to himself. And we're in this country where the American dollar doubles, but we don't even have money to buy what we need. Yeah. And oh my gosh, here we go. This episode is getting extra long again. I think I'm going to stop it here. And then on next week's episode, I will just continue the rest of this story and then let you guys know how I ended up getting approved to come back and what it was like even trying to leave Belize because Belize was trying to keep us there. But anyway, I just thank you guys so much for rocking with me. I hope this story made sense and I try to just piece as much of it together as I can um, without dragging out this process. Before I go, though, I just want to leave you with this lesson. And again, I, I said it earlier in a podcast, but our mindset, the way we view things and what we believe is going to happen for us plays such a huge role in how life will turn out. And although you can, you can have a positive mindset and believe like, I'm not going to accept this hand that I've been dealt. I want something better. Like, I'm not accepting this. I'm going to shoot for something better. You can have that positive mindset and still go through crap, okay? don't get it twisted. And you can go through that and still be dealing, fighting with depression, sadness, frustration, anger, rage, all of these emotions. Because what reality looks like is not the picture that you have in your mind for where you see yourself going. And so when we're faced with reality, that can consume us and have our minds go left. But if you can continuously bring it back to where you want to be, what you believe you're going to achieve, it's going to happen it's just a matter of getting through that process because just because you believe for something better and you're gonna fight for that it doesn't mean it's gonna happen overnight and sometimes we're still gonna get dragged before the reality that we actually want actually appears but just hold on the lesson is to hold on y'all i held on so tight i didn't care what anyone said i kept telling people like hey if i don't get a response from immigration i'm going to move to canada like I, that's what I told him. I was like, I'm going to take my kids and we're going to go to Canada. And if America doesn't want us back, then bump America. We're going to start our life in Canada. But what I refused to do was to stay in that country and deal with the BS that we were dealing with. Like I refused to do it. And I there was no way it was going to happen. And because of that, I really believe because I had such a strong mindset and such a faith in the fact that this is not my end story, that played a huge role in the fact that I did not have to wait five years like everyone else but we're gonna get into that story in next week's podcast let me just wrap this up because this one is super long but I hope you guys enjoyed it um (laughs) this is my journey (laughs) this is my journey so part three will be my my journey back to the U.S. thank you guys so much for tuning in please I encourage you guys to give me feedback please leave reviews on any of the podcast episodes that you listen to do know that you can rate each and every podcast that you listen to so every time you listen to one if you enjoy it and you want to rate it go ahead and rate it five stars preferably um but i enjoy the engagement i enjoy the dms that i've been getting and y'all talking to me about what you're learning about me and if you have any questions definitely feel free to ask me so yeah next week we're going to talk about my journey back to the u.s and we're going to finish up this story about my ex-husband wanting to get this divorce um until then just know that i love y'all so much continue to stay strong you guys and of course i cannot leave you without leaving you with a scripture so here we go Okay, you guys, today's scripture comes from Joshua 1, 9, and it says, This is my command. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Self-explanatory, y'all. Stay blessed.